Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. Speaking of comforting, <laughs> this week we're going to talk about comfort food. And we're in a food coma because of it. We are. So we actually are recording this immediately after eating a... A little feast. A little feast that looked like it was prepared by <laughs> children. It was potatoes and mac and cheese and buffalo chicken eggs in a hole eggs in a hole i i don't eggs in the basket we'll oh, get yeah. into we'll get into that later it is egg in a basket <laughs> they're both accurate but i prefer one of those i wish you had a photo of us because that's the beauty of, of recording or podcasting is no one has to see how bloated and tired we are well, right now. <laughs> yeah well, we'll get into it but i'm sure you had, can hear it but we had dessert after and that really was the tip tipped us over the edge yeah oh yeah As you can tell, this week we're talking about comforting ourselves with food (laughs) made from recipes passed down by our families, but also from From listeners. Yeah, listeners who from suggestions, and we'll give every recipe a shout out. We couldn't make all of them, but yeah, we'll give them a shout out. The the ones that we got earliest, we were able to Mm -hmm. to try it out, and we'll you'll hear the results. (laughs) We have new cover art. Yeah, a brand new look. I don't know if you've noticed in your podcast app of choice, but we have a fresh new well makeover. Makeover. Robin's blue colors. A cat and a blanket. Cozy. 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 Jillian's partner Jay. Thank you so much for making our new art. Yeah, she really uh, toiled over those. <laughs> I appreciate it. We all do. I think. It, I think it was time for uh, a facelift. Well, it's funny because every time she sent me back a design, I said, "Yes, yeah, it's great. I love it." She goes, you know what? This it's this one little thing's not aligned perfectly, or I want to add this. Like me and Matt, like Matt and I aren't connoisseurs <laughs> in graphic designs. We'll take we'll take anything because yeah. comparatively to what we had, not I that mean, it wasn't. Yeah, you know we're not connoisseurs of graphic yeah. design because you've seen the original logo. Yeah. It's us photoshopped <laughs> like, over a Yankee candle. Yeah. So I said, just give us whatever you got, and that was her final product. And it looks great. Yeah. Love it. Love the new. We have a mascot now. We have that cat in a blanket. Yeah. We need, we need to name our cozy cat. We'll figure this mm-hmm. out later. Well, we, have a, we have big plans. Speaking of our big plans, we have a Patreon. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in supporting the show, no pressure, but we really do appreciate it. It helps the show run. Thank you so much to everyone who's already joined our Patreon. Yeah, very generous. We're and... putting that money right back into the podcast with food that we bought to make the, the recipes we tried out today, the candles that we're going to try. Um, it really does keep the show going. Lights on at Cozy HQ. Keeps the lights on at Cozy HQ, right? Your generosity really means a lot to us, and it does help us improve the show. And Just a pep in our step. Yeah, pep in our step. So give us a pep in our step and check out our Patreon. New people who are joining will get a personalized thank you card from me and Jillian. Sent out our first batch. And inside of that, you'll find an All Things Cozy sticker and magnet. So your, there you go. your fridge can look cozy. And then you can put your sticker on, I don't know, your notebook or I your put laptop. My laptop. Yeah. Rep it, you know. Be a cozy commando. Spread commando. the word. Well, honestly, you know, we, we got to <laughs> spread the message. Here we are talking about cozy stuff, in particular cozy mysteries, a sorely underrepresented genre of literature. And we're going to catapult our traditional mystery writers into fame and fortune and bring traditional mysteries back to household reading lists. <laughs> <laughs> we have a mission here, and you can support that mission and be a cozy commando. Oh boy, I think I'll find a new name for that. Every day I log into our All Things Cozy 
podcast email hoping I see a new Patreon. <laughs> Patrons, so, so please. I would say do it for the mission, but also to make Jillian feel a little less pathetic when she checks <laughs> when the email. When I open the email, no, yeah. no go, new messages. Go to patreon.com slash allthingscozy. Donate was, towards the cause. Yeah, we love both have support. <laughs> Anyways. And get a, get a magnet. It's a, it's a win-win. And yeah, let's get going with the show. Let's check in with what's making us feel cozy this week. Julian, what is making you feel cozy this week? Well, it's kind of related to our main topic, um, but what's making me feel cozy is sharing recipes with my mom or getting cooking advice from my mom. Because, I mean, I just love, anytime I talk to her on the phone or text, I mean, she makes me feel cozy because she's my mom and, I don't know, I love her so much. But it's always funny hearing her advice on, on cooking or just maybe her her awe of how bad I am at <laughs> cooking. So you're, you're making her proud, but in maybe well, a way that we wouldn't expect. It's just funny because I was, we'll get into it a little bit later, but I was making those twice-baked potatoes, and I didn't know that you had to pierce the potatoes before you put them in the oven. And so I was on the phone with her and asking how long you the potatoes in, and she's like, oh, you, you did pierce them, right? I was like, why would I do that? She's like, they would explode in the oven! Like those little kinds of, yeah. those things, and... Just I called her at least 10 times within making the food because I screwed it up in so many different ways, even things that you couldn't even imagine that I, I was managed somehow to screw up. And so just hearing her reaction to it, mm-hmm. we had a lot of laughs. But I've, I've asked her for advice on cooking so many times. It's just nice to have her there as a resource yeah. and not to take it to a dark place. But like I think about you know people who maybe had that relationship with their parent and can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And so... It's, I don't take that for granted. Yeah, cherish it while you have it. Yeah, because even when we had met, I had you over for Christmas. I had this little Christmas get-together at my house. I think it was maybe two or three years ago. When, when we went over in Echo Park. Yeah, yeah. and I made an eggplant parmesan. That's like my mom's That's sta- right, that's right. It was, mom, it was wonderful. Yeah, it was my dinner. mom's big staple. And so all throughout the day, I was asking her advice and questions. And I'm sure a lot of people share that kind of relationship with their parent in terms of cooking. Mm-hmm. And so... It's just funny hearing her listening. I dropped the potato on on the floor of the oven, and she heard it happen. She's like, "What's that?" <laughs> so it's just as cute. No, absolutely. Moms are the best phone a friend when it comes to cooking. Or I mean, on, it doesn't have to be your mom. It could be any whatever family member cooked in your family. First, mm-hmm. a lot of people that's their dad, or it could be you know a beloved aunt or grandma. Yeah, just to share that. For me, it's also my mom, and so I really rely on her whenever I'm making anything. Because mm-hmm. usually I'm making something that I want to replicate that she made or that my grandma made. I always call my mom when I'm at the grocery store, yeah, and I'm too. having some sort of crazy meltdown over like what brand of sugar to buy. It's just it's it, when it doesn't even matter. I'm like looking at all the options. I'm like, is one better than the other? I'm not sure, but she's always just like, she knows exactly like, no, just buy the cheapest brand or, or she'll know exactly when there is a name brand that will be better. Mm-hmm. Um, or how long to put something in for how long to put something in. Uh, one of my most cherished things for my mom are the recipes that she often is like bringing with her when she visits LA. Um, and now I just have like, a, there's a magnet on my refrigerator and like a oh, bunch of cute. like copied that's recipes sweet. on it. How appropriate for today's episode theme. Yeah. It, yeah. Fit right in. Cause literally a few hours ago, I was on the phone with second, her in a panic. Cause mine has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but <laughs> well, it is cozy. You always go to cozy, cozy places. So I'm excited to hear. Yeah. So, okay. So what Jillian's referring to is, and actually if you follow us on social media, I pretty much barraged the network no, with my it. personal vacation photos. So hope you enjoyed it. 
I hope you weren't too annoyed. My husband and I went to Idlewild for a weekend getaway. Mm-hmm. Idlewild's in the San Jacinto Mountains. Can I just interject and say that it sounds like a place that Jewel would live? I mean, it feels like a place that Jewel would live. I also want to go back and, and talk about the pronunciation of San Jacinto Mountains, which I think the locals say San Jacinto. Ja, like with like a Jacinto. Oh, or I've also heard Yacinto. The point being that it's that's all terrible Spanish. Probably Jacinto because they pronounce their... No, no, no. They pronounce J's like H's, right? Well, it should be Jacinto. Yeah. But however you say it, that's where Idlewild is. It's a beautiful mountain town. And what I like about it is there are a lot of mountain communities around Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And when I think of a mountain place in around LA, I think of Big Bear first. And Big Bear, though, is really famous for its outdoor activities. So there's you know Big Bear Lake and there's all the snowboarding and skiing you can do because there's so much snow up there. It's such a high elevation. It's great for skiing. And so their tourist culture is very much based around outdoor activities, which if you know anything about me, not my bag. I am not into <laughs> any kind of physical exertion whatsoever. You don't want to get in a snowmobile and I'm get not getting any off. kind of death. No rocks off, no death trap, no thank you. When I was looking at Idlewild, I found it. I was like, wait a minute. So their whole thing is that there are a bunch of art galleries they have um, a huge space for music festivals, an art center, a school for the arts in Idlewild. And there's basically, beyond all these galleries in town and a few hiking trails here and there, there's a bunch of places to drink beer and wine that are made Sounds locally. Lovely. Honestly, I should move there. <laughs> I, I wanted to move there. Yeah, that's what we did. We went to um, Middle Ridge Winery, did their wine tasting. It was wonderful. We went to Idlewild Brew Pub. Mm. which is newer. A lot of this stuff is so updated. It doesn't feel like you go back to your cabin and it's rustic and it's also really affordable. Yeah. I was going to, I was curious, where did you stay? We stayed in Silver Pines Lodge, Mm -hmm. which they have two options you can do. You can either do, you can stay in like the lodge area where you have connected rooms. But what was nice is that it was private entry and exit. So there's no hallway. It's like outdoor and you have your own um, balcony. So like we had our own outdoor space. With a, nice. with a table and chairs. And it was super cheap. Had all the amenities, Wi-Fi, cable. Nothing was missing, even though it was like a lodgy sort of... Because a lot of times when you go to more rustic places, a lot of that stuff's not there. Yeah, I like the hotels that kind of mirror apartments. Yeah, it, it felt very apartment I, I won't pass up the residence in. If- well, what I want to do next time, actually, is they have really affordable cabins. So instead of it being one room, you have a whole cabin to yourself. And it's not much difference in price than the hotel room, except they just book up a lot faster. So that's all that was available when I looked. Well, how how is tourism there? Because I've never heard of this place. It's, I mean, honestly, that's their primary economy. So it's all around the tourist experience. It's a bunch of cute restaurants, cute bars. They have a bar. They have like a bar arcade. I didn't get a chance to check out that I really wanted to check out. They have. Gift stores galore. They're all adorable. I got a Christmas ornament there that was really cute. Mm-hmm. And they have a bunch of candle shops, too. So the candle we're, we're burning right now is actually from Idlewild and uh, from a store called Spruce Moose, and they hand-poured it there. There are a lot of artisans that live there. So, like, people who have a trade, they make candles, they, they're they painters, and they sell in Idlewild. Do they have a, a school system? Yeah, there, there were schools in Idlewild. People live there. But I think it's pretty affordable because of the fires that have been happening. So because of forest fires and also because of flooding that destroyed the road, Mm -hmm. two of the routes in and out of 
um, Idlewild are currently not passable. Mm. One of them you can't go through at all, and the other you can, but only during certain hours with a pilot car. So we had to go through Temecula up through the south to get into Idlewild, which added like an hour to our trip. But it was worth it. But it also affects insurance for these these homeowners. At this point, no one wants to insure these houses. When we're looking at the the real estate companies, I mean, you can buy a house in Idlewild for like... My sense of what property values are really skewed because I live in LA where like I'll never own a home because to own a house here, you have to like be basically a millionaire. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's impossible. Even, even think, well, just go out to the suburbs. It's not different. You have to be a millionaire, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like, like you're starting, like you might find a starter home at $500,000. It's insane. But anyway, so I think you're lucky. So in Idlewild, Houses are like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That's that's bananas. Two hundred. I, I wouldn't have guessed that. But they're not insuring them, so like it, it could be a huge money pit where like you're buying this house and you can't get fire insurance. Fire hits, everything's gone. Aside from that issue, it is a really beautiful place. It sounds and great, especially to, for as a visitor. And how far is it away from any of that stuff? It's about. It's, I mean, really, like it, if those roads are open and one of them is opening back up in a, a couple months, it really is only about an hour and forty five minutes. Oh, that's not bad at max. all. Okay. But I mean, with with the kind of rerouting because of the road closures, more like a three hour trip. Seems worth. That's it, a though. day trip. I mean, we spent we went we were Saturday to Sunday. Sounds yeah, sounds lovely, amazing. I love little uh, cities like that. Mm-hmm. Cute downtown area, very calm. Has an art scene. Has has alcohol. Sounds great to me. And I haven't I'm even there. mentioned the coziest part of that town, which is that their mayor is a dog. Oh, what's his name? Max. Max the mayor. So yeah, this is their second canine mayor. But so is this a dad or mom who was mayor before? I believe so. I know that they there was a senior dog that was originally the mayor and passed oh. away into a, a year and a half into his term. And That's then terrible. I think his son took the office past that point. When did they start having really dog, dog mayors? <laughs> Not soon enough, if you ask me. <laughs> But to me, that's like such a profoundly amazing self-awareness for a town. That's like, mm-hmm. we're a tourist town. People want to come here because it's cute. We don't need a real mayor. We need a dog mayor. Yep. <laughs> and the mayor has office hours outside the gift shop in the afternoons. I and we missed that. him, though, because we were hiking on Saturday, and then we had to leave in the morning on Sunday. So I didn't get to see... You missed a photo op. I didn't get to see Max. I didn't get to see a dog with a tie, but I do have his campaign literature. We have his, we have his campaign magnet. On what, our, what's on our, his slogan? I, I actually, I didn't get to check out a slogan, but I have a Mayor Max magnet on a refrigerator well, with we'll his contact information. Yeah. Oh, contact information. That's yeah. Good. So if you have a complaint, you can call the dog. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's anyway, really it was, it's super cute. If you are like in Angelino or if you ever are coming through and you have a lot of time, like Idlewild is a really cozy, it really is like ripped from the pages of a cozy mystery, mm. cute town. There you go. Worth there you your have time. It. That's a great spot. Great choice. So let's get into it. Comfort food. We're we're both still reeling from our food coma. I I don't know. We're what doing better we this time. Thinking. We actually had to take a three hour break. Well, it's funny because we were laughing at how we decided to have this huge comfort food episode. Yeah. In the hot heat of summer yeah we like sat around and we're sweating little nook i i honestly thought i was gonna pass out of my face going <laughs> i was worried the mac jillian and was really about to pass out on the mac and cheese it just was i mean this just how insane all of it was we're just sitting with these this like baby food in front of us kid food i'm sorry <laughs> a feast of kid food it's blazing hot yeah i had to chop it off i'll tell you i guess i'll spoil it with the klondike bar <laughs> <laughs> 
So just the insanity of it all, I guess, just got to my head plus the heat <laughs> and all the carbs. Oh, it was so many carbs. And it was like, I don't know, weird energy today. Mercury retrograde ended yesterday. Yeah. I think there's some weird energy lingering. I'm not really sure, but something's going on there. No, but we, we knowing ourselves and knowing that whenever we, we've recorded immediately after eating, we are so low energy, we can't even talk into the microphone. I'm glad we took a couple hours off. Yeah. <laughs> Came back and recorded. We're still a little bit out of it's it. It's not as bad as when we got Thai food that one time. Oh, yeah, that was awful. I don't know what the heck was in there. Sanic powder? I don't know. <laughs> well, Jillian, initially, when we were talking about this episode, wanted to eat on air. Okay. And that, I, I, find that there, to be, but I find that to be disgusting. I, I, I was, you know, I'm not going to do was it MS? What's it? ASMR and go into into the mic. <laughs> I was just too much. That that what you just did is gross. <laughs> You're even fake eating into a mic is awful. Oh, well, that, that's that was a you know, that's what people do in those videos. But I would just politely eat. I'm not a crazy eater. I nibble here, nibble there. I'm not slopping into the microphone. Even when people are even trying to be discreet about it, I even the the clinking of utensils. The chewing noises. Okay. The breathing. Like, the crunching. The breathing. <laughs> anyway. I can't handle it. I can't handle hearing anybody eat on mic. So we had a little feast. So so we didn't we spared you. I had a potato incident, so I was like half an hour late. And then we just sat down and A potato incident. I told I texted you I had a potato incident. Well we'll get into it when we talk about what we made. Yeah. There is a story about what inspired this episode in the first place. So Jillian found this article. Jillian, can yeah. you describe the so article? I found this article by Mara Wilson. I was going to call her Mary Wilson because my Long Island Mario was Mario. Coming, out, coming out. Um, So she wrote this really sweet article on her personal blog about comfort food. And it was inspired um, after her mother died of cancer her father was a single dad um, with a gaggle of young children and he wasn't the person who was cooking in the household and maybe he did but you know when you're a single parent as she as she noted um time is of the essence and you just want to get your kids fed and keep everyone uh safe and moving so um her dad relied on a lot of food hacks um and so she views a lot of food that Maybe some people would turn their nose up at um, as her as her fondest memories. So she created a list, and I can go through the list. I the list really resonated with me, and I don't know if it's maybe a '90s kids thing or if it's just maybe I started to think a lot about it. Um, I thought my mom was the best chef when I was little, mm-hmm. but it turns out she was just kind of feeding me what others might perceive to be crap. <laughs> Um, well, quick, quick, quick meals. things. things yeah, you can like quickly throw together. a lot of things from a box. Yeah, um, and we that was go, all the rage at the time. It was also so. new technology. Everyone I think, wanted I think, to try. Like, I think it's a baby boomer thing too. I and mean, we we yeah. go through the McDonald's drive through at least once a week. Taco mm-hmm. Bell drive through at least once a week. And I think that's important for a kid. I think it's also important to feed your kid healthy, nutritious food, but also give them some garbage once in a while. Every kid needs to eat garbage. That's just my take. Don't get don't get too hot button topic on here, but that's mm-hmm. my thing. So anyways, I'll go through her list. Um, Bisquick pancakes, chili, spaghetti with sauce out of a jar. I'm always eating spaghetti sauce out of a jar, not making it by scratch. With, with pasta or without? Uh, with pasta. I, I had a visual of you spooning it out of the jar directly. Yes, it's, just, it's just drinking it. 
reheated box macaroni and cheese. I think that's a big one because I like the taste of the craft macaroni and cheese and you put it overnight in the fridge and then. I've actually it. never done that. It's good. I'm part of the clean plate club. So that macaroni and cheese was gone, but we did a lot of craft mm-hmm. macaroni craft. and cheese. I mean, it was just so easy. The meal that I used to love the most as a, as a little, little kid was when my mom would make me craft macaroni and cheese mm-hmm. and cut up a ha- hot dog over it. Yeah, that's just the, yeah, the staple. Um, yeah. I would always have craft macaroni and cheese. Uh, so she said also reheated delivery pizza. I like eating pizza cold. Same. I'm a cold pizza person. Yeah. If it's going to be the next day, next day I don't cold. need to reheat it. No, it's gross reheated. So I, I'm an iffy you on that. You lost us, Mara. You lost us, but um, soft tacos from Taco Bell. I was I was inhaling those when I was little. Those, those are good. I'm more of a burrito person, but kind of six in one hand, half mm-hmm. a dozen in the other. Um, Campbell's soup served out of the giant family size cans. Oh, I haven't. I don't even know what that looks like. Yeah, I don't know where the big giant family size can is, but I did eat a lot of soups when I was little. Mm-hmm. There's this thing called giggle soup. What? Have you heard of it? <laughs> I don't know why it's called giggle soup. I did a lot of like Chef Boyardee and alphabet soup and things oh, like that. Oh, yeah. I, I also like them. SpaghettiOs. Oh, yeah. oh, spaghetti. Oh, my God. SpaghettiOs. I want bananas for that SpaghettiOs. Oh, I can't yeah. imagine the sodium <laughs> Could in there. Could not get enough SpaghettiOs. Couldn't <laughs> <laughs> get enough. Um, country crock butter, I guess. We needed the country crock, she said. Yeah, country crock margarine. Um, she said, this one's interesting. Homemade pizza made from Bisquick dough, jarred tomato sauce, and cheddar cheese. We never did homemade pizza. Homemade pizza to me always seems way too work, like oh, labor intensive. Oh, really, it really wasn't. I would love when my mom would get me, um, it's how it starts with a B, the dough, baboli, or bully. Uh, Not familiar. We would make our own pizzas all the time. Um, goldfish crackers. Obsessed. I still eat a bunch of goldfish. I don't mind goldfish crackers, but they always seem to be, being a kid in the 90s meant that the flavors all around you were extreme with an X. Extreme. Doritos. Gushers. Like just Go-gurts. Like like, like the the sweetest of the sweet, the spiciest of the spicy. Mm -hmm. Goldfish crackers to me are the most mild. That's like, this is not even registering on my tongue. And so I think, I I like them better as an adult because they're mild, like a mild cheddar flavor. But back when I was a kid, I was like, what are these boring pieces of crap? Give me my Cool Ranch Doritos. No, I mean, I, I love those goldfish crackers. When I saw it in my lunchbox, like, oh, I hit pay dirt. I got these goldfish crackers. <laughs> oh, I like the salty, the cheese. Let's see what else she sells. Skipping a few. Cream of wheat. I don't really look no. back on fondly, but we definitely had a bunch of it in our house. Had it, didn't love it. Um, slightly freezer burn ice cream sandwiches. I was big on the ice cream sandwiches when I was little. We were more of a fudgesicle family. Hmm. Yeah. Um, or or tra- chocolate-covered bananas. Oh, those are good. Um, Moose Tracks ice cream. I love Moose Tracks. Yes. Uh, Baskin-Robbins ice cream cake. I don't know if this is regional. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I love yeah. a good ice cream cake. Those love little, it, yeah. Oh. Baskin-Robbins is total nostalgia for me because it was early on when... There weren't that many. Now there are. It, it, ice, the ice cream scene's better than it was then. Oh, a hundred leaps and bounds. No, yeah. Now you have like all of these really unique fancy flavors, ones. fancy. But it's also just more like I feel like living in certain parts of the country, especially when I grew up in the suburbs. Like all we had was the Baskin Robbins, which Carvel. I loved all thirty-one other flavors. But yeah, and so I look back at them cakes. fondly. But it, I think it, it was kind of like a we were we were held hostage by the 
Baskin Robbins Dunkin' Donuts Industrial Complex. You know what? I think I'm better for it. <laughs> um, this okay. So she also said it's hard to describe, but that combo of peanut butter and jelly in one, the Smuckers. That was always a bridge too far for me. <laughs> Taking it too far. That was a monstrosity. I still can't get behind that. That doesn't. How does that food even preserve together well? To make those two things live together in the same container and not be uneatable after a week. I, I don't like what kind of chemicals do you have to put in it to make those two things swirl yeah, together like that? That, you know what? That's a mystery for another day. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's funny because when Mara got a little bit older, her dad remarried and her step uncle was a pretty great chef. Mm-hmm. So then it, her diet shifted drastically. It's a sentimental article. It's really, it's a, it's emotional too, but it's it's funny because um, it, it's it's relatable. But just the things that we find comforting or seem so silly, like one of her things she said was, "Can frosting?" Mm-hmm. I would just my mom would use a can can frosting for our birthday cakes, and I would just like just take a big spoon of it and just eat it. Oh yeah, like an animal. Also, now that I have been baking more. I love that canned frosting yeah, because frosting is it. such a painful thing to make. It's not hard necessarily, but there's so much mixing that has to happen. Baking and cooking in general to me is so time intensive, which is also why this article spoke to me because comfort food and things that I look back fondly in, in terms of what I eat now or what I what I ate then, it wasn't really about like complicated recipes that were so... I did not have a sophisticated palate, so... Mm-hmm. What whatever got made me feel full and me feel full in like a, a happy way <laughs> was fine enough by me. Even now, is like when I'm making food for myself, like I I tend toward simple. Mm-hmm. What what you enjoy to eat, especially like as an adult or like those those family recipes, it is in large part inspired by what you ate as a child, and so what you find to be comfort food or cozy or or things that make you feel great that you eat again as an adult like that's that's gonna for some people that's gonna be like a box of craft mac and cheese and yeah i, I kind of feel like i'm in that camp honestly because we weren't eating that fancy food when i was young i don't eat fancy food now so, so. yeah it's it's funny i think it just speaks to the fact that you never lose your history yeah um i i, th- I definitely think that my eating has changed drastically from when i was younger in the sense where i, I do want to try new recipes I I always I eat a lot of seafood as a kid because it's growing up in the water, but um, I still eat a lot of fish and seafood. So I guess that stayed the same. But my mom, she still has her old tricks. Still, she yeah. she makes a lot more fresh foods now. But there's always some component of a box or a can. Yeah. Um. I I definitely think I love salty foods because all of the that kind of stuff has a lot of high sodium. So that's my dark lord, salty food. These kids now who are growing up and, and their parents are making them like quinoa and healthier options that are like more natural flavors, I guess to them that's going to be cozy and comforting is like, give me an avocado toast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's interesting to think about. I mean, I baby, babysat a kid in Boston who was an only child and his parents have really refined tastes. Mm-hmm. So he was eating the most refined foods, had a better palate than I did, knows more foods than I probably will ever dream of knowing. <laughs> and so it's, it's a class thing though, isn't it? Yeah, like, that's true too. They were, they were, you know, talented artists. So that plays a role into it. Um, but yeah, I, it's hard to say. You can go either way. 
you de- develop a different relationship with food or you go the opposite and then that's all you want is junk. Mm-hmm. We've had this discussion before, but yeah, I thought so that I've been thinking a lot about the tradition of food, how we relate to food as adults based on when we were kids. It's a lot to think about. When we were cooking up our piece of this feast, we drew on not just the recipes that were submitted by listeners, but also things that we felt were cozy. And actually, there was a listener who wrote a comment on our All Things Cozy Facebook group post about this episode Mm -hmm. in preparation for it, who said something that really resonated with me. I want to read that because I feel like it really spoke to how I relate to comfort food. And it was written by our listener, N. Kai, and I hope I'm saying that right, who wrote, for comfort... I turn to simplicity. Excess doesn't do it for me. Homemade chicken broth with semolina dumplings, a cheese and tomato sandwich with home-ripe tomato, one thin slice of tasty cheese, two thin slices of white or brown bread, and or, or a two-layer sponge cake sandwich with a little raspberry jam, a little whipped cream, and iced with a thin, fresh passion fruit icing. Like all of that. A cup of tea. Sounds lovely. That sounds so lovely. Very like quaint. so quaint, fresh, easy to make. Yeah. Right? And so, because when I need to be comforted, if I really am in a state where I'm like, I'm stressed and I need something that's going to like calm me down or it's going to make me feel immediately nostalgic, I don't want to be slaving away in the kitchen. Which I pretty much was doing this morning. Yeah. Well, I yeah. didn't realize the... I guess I have a very bad relationship with time. I don't understand how long things are going to take or I don't plan for the oops moments. For me, I'm really slow at cutting. So well, right there with you. all of the, like the prep elements, I like to have all my stuff ready before mm-hmm. I start. And so I'm sitting there like chopping celery for hours. It's crazy. No, me too. My husband, when he watches me cook is like, what is happening? I should have already finished eating this and you're still chopping, chopping the vegetables. Well, I'm know. really slow and meticulous and you make sure everything's all set and then I can go. And I think there are people who are better at the flow because there is when you're cooking people, I think people who are really great cooks, they have a almost intuitive sense of flow in the kitchen where they're able to, start something on the stove they're cooking this thing they're moving Mm -hmm. that over there and it's almost like a dance it's not for me it's like i can only do one thing at a time i can't multitask and it just ends up taking forever yeah but going back to the simplicity thing like i i really when i was thinking about okay so what food items make me feel cozy the first thing i thought of were pierogi oh yeah there you go a polish staple Mm -hmm. i eat those during the holidays you can eat pierogies either boiled or fried I like both, depending on the filling. Do they have sauce on them? No. No, no no sauce. Even if they're boiled, you just... No, there's no sauce. It's not like a Chinese dumpling. Oh. Not like that. Okay. It's standalone. You don't need a sauce on it. Got it. You're going to um, destroy the... Oh. Well, I had my first pierogi ever in Toronto this year, so I'm not well-versed in the world of The pierogi. harmony of the, of the pierogi will be destroyed if you put... <laughs> That's not exactly true. I mean, like, when I'm eating them, it's oftentimes with a potato pancake and I have sour cream on the plate. And so some sour cream on some of the savory mm-hmm. pierogies, totally fine. But the thing is that I also like sweet filled pierogies. So my favorite are either cherry or plum pierogies. To me, those taste better boiled. The sauerkraut, cheese, potato, mm-hmm. those pierogi fried. fillings, better fried. That's my personal preference. But the thing is, in L.A., you cannot find a Polish deli to save your life. And actually, I asked my mom, like, why don't we ever make them? Like, yeah, why, why didn't, didn't you make it this time? Why, didn't we, why don't we make a pierogi? She was describing how, like, it's a lot of work. 
And I think anyone who knows, like, hasn't ever worked with dumplings before, know that in addition to making all of that dough and then you're cutting it into these little circles and then you're filling, you have to make the filling, you put the filling in the dumpling. And at that point, you're just, it's about quantity. And if you're going to bother to do all that work of making the dough and then making the fillings and putting it in, you're making a lot of pierogi. So you're talking about like a whole afternoon, a whole day of pierogi making. <laughs> it's an event. And the whole family has to get involved. It reminds me a lot of like of how kimchi is made, right? Where basically you clear your schedule and then every, everyone in town is making kimchi. Like <laughs> it's like, because it takes a lot, it's a lot of work. Yeah. And then it goes, has to, has to go ferment. It's not as bad as kimchi in terms of like time and effort, but... You'd be making it since yesterday then. What my mom said was like, yeah, it was a lot of work and it was good, but it wasn't any better than the fresh stuff in Chicago that you can just pick up at your deli. Mm -hmm. True. And at that point, you put all that time into it and you could have just picked up something that tasted honestly better. And so that's what I'm missing in LA is... And the reason I didn't make pierogies or buy them or anything like that is because... We don't have a Polish deli in LA, but there are lots of Russian de- delis and I've gone there trying to find Polish stuff and they really don't stock pierogi yeah. stuff at all. So that was kind of just off the table for me in terms of my comfort food, although I do love pierogi. What I went with though is actually, I think maybe a more authentic choice because the coziest meal of the day for me is breakfast. Mm-hmm. And Jillian and I actually share this passion we for do. this food. It's eggs in the basket. And we connect it because we both call it, uh, call it, I'm like, geez, get New York over here. <laughs> we both call it uh, egg in a basket. Yeah. So my mom would make me egg in a basket all the time. Same. I went bananas for egg in a basket. All the, I, that, I, I requested it every, get it enough. every Saturday. I had my Saturday breakfast. Oh, my yeah. mom would make me breakfast. And it was always like the highlight of my week. Oh, yeah. I love that. Sometimes it'd be a cheese omelet. The easiest thing for everybody was... Eggs in the basket. Mm -hmm. You cut a hole in the toast. You put the toast in the frying pan. You break an egg in it. You fry it. You're done. Breakfast is finished. You've done your toast and your egg in the same pan. Streamlined Mm -hmm. it. It's efficient. It's easy. Jillian came over. I made it in maybe five minutes. Yeah, and you you made a mean egg in a basket. (laughs) He used this good bread. What was it, sourdough? I use sourdough, yeah. But you can use anything, like whatever you want. Just tear a hole in the middle of it. Yeah, my mom probably used Wonder Bread. (laughs) I know. That's what we used mostly. But it doesn't matter. It's always delicious and easy. And it's comforting for me because it's like, especially once I got a little older and I was like, I could use the, the kitchen without being it being a terrifying idea for my parents. It was like so easy to make egg in the, eggs in the basket because it's just like there's like nothing to do except like put the put butter in the pan, put the toast in, drop the egg yeah, in. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's a good recipe for a kid to make. And so... If I were homesick or something or anything like that, that's like the breakfast I'd have. And so I, I really, I, I associate eggs in the basket with childhood. It's a super comforting, me too. easy, it was, it was easy nice. food for me. It made me feel nice, happy just seeing it. Yeah, some monsters call it frog in a hole. Oh, God. Or Jillian does say eggs in a hole. Egg in a hole. Egg in a hole. Egg in a, egg, it's, there's even, I've heard it referred to as um, gas house eggs. I can't even know what they're saying to say. It's egg in a basket. Sometimes I do say egg in a hole, but I was taught it was egg in a basket. I would request egg, egg in a, a hole is just explicit for me. It's crass. Egg in a hole. It's just like, yeah, I guess that's exactly what it is. But eggs in the basket. Oh, there's whimsy there. You got to call it egg, egg in a basket. Yeah. I, I don't even understand how the basket reference. I know it's probably to the obviously to the bread, but mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. I guess it sounds nice. Egg in a basket. The bread's the basket. Yeah. So I, I made that. And then I also tried a listener recipe, which was the buffalo chicken soup. Now, of course, I had to bastardize it 
because I'm a vegetarian. So right off the bat, that chicken, not real chicken. <laughs> that is a light life. Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's. C-H-I apostrophe K-I-N. <laughs> so I, re- I replaced that. I did use my slow cooker for the first time. I was very excited about that. And it was a simple, it was a really simple recipe. There was not any amount of difficulty with the prep time. You chop up the garlic, you make the sauce. Um, you, I mean, especially when you're not dealing with real chicken, you take out your, yeah, um, that's it. your tempeh chicken chunks and you cut them up and <laughs> you throw it all into the pot together. You let it cook. I mean, honestly, because there was no meat, I probably could have slow cooked that for not even very long because I'm not tenderizing the meat in any way, shape or form to make it like melt off the bone or something. So it was like done after an hour, but like, I'm still like a stickler for the rules. I'm oh, still God. waiting for four hours while it's in there boiling. So yeah, and then so my husband and I ate that. We had a salad with it, and it's it's very tasty. I think I preferred it as a dip though, because we also I had agree. it with corn chips. And it, maybe it's the way I made it, or maybe it was the the difference between using vegetable broth or chicken broth. I'm not sure, but like making it a vegetarian version, it felt like more of a stew. So it's very thick and hearty, which is very comforting. And you can't go wrong with it. It's like blue cheese and buffalo sauce flavored. So like it's delicious. Great hangout food. Great dip. hangout food. Yeah. I think I think dip. I will make it again, but I think I'm just gonna slice up the celery and the chicken <laughs> into smaller bits. Yeah. Um, and make That's it a dip because I think like as a dip, it's really like it an aha kick. moment. Yeah, it has a kick. It's, it's like, unique. It's a fantastic dip. I, I I wasn't so much into it as a soup. Yeah, I'll be honest. I probably never eat that as a soup but i would definitely have it as a dip Mm -hmm. so and dips are cozy they're comforting can't go wrong with a dip i could dip all day so jillian what did you make for a cozy feast for comfort food well it was quite the scene (laughs) i decided that i was going to make twice baked potatoes because potatoes are very comforting to me especially mashed potatoes my mom would make the creamiest yummiest mashed potatoes and um, actually, I, pro- I would have it for leftovers a lot. She'd make potato pancakes out of it, like leftover mashed potatoes, um, all different kinds of mashed potatoes. It's like, okay, great. I'm going to make the choice baked potatoes. I love how it's in a little boat. Mm-hmm. And you have the creamy mash on the top. Going, going on a carb journey. A big carb journey. And then I decided to try um, Alonzo. He had recommended a New York Times macaroni and cheese recipe, which... Well, I definitely messed that one up. From, from the people who suggested peas and guacamole. Well, okay, where do I start? <laughs> so maybe I'll start with the mac and cheese. So the ingredients were pretty simple. It required milk, you know, cayenne pepper, I think, nutmeg, a hint of mustard, elbow pasta. Um, it said have cottage cheese, but Alonzo suggested ricotta. Mm-hmm. So I got that instead. Um, and very sharp cheddar cheese. Now, I must be a garbage person because I only get my cheese out of the bag. That's shredded. So I didn't even understand. I was like, very, a very sharp cheddar cheese. Like, what, where is this? So I'm walking around 365. And it's those blocks of cheeses. I guess I've never grated it. You can also get sharp shredded. Okay, well, that would have been very helpful at 9 a.m. this morning. I actually have morning. some in my fridge right now. <laughs> at 9 a.m. this morning, when I was had my hands were like, Cheese, cheese was everywhere. The hot in my apartment, sticking to the counter, this <laughs> freaking cheese. Cheese everywhere. Blocks of cheese, and so I grated it by hand. You have to mix it all in a bowl. What yeah, Julian actually doesn't have a hand anymore. <laughs> I was in a cast. It just stumps. So, and I've also never made macaroni and cheese where you don't boil the pasta first. Another local. <laughs> I don't know what, what would be described. I've never heard of baking 
hard shells and macaroni and cheese. I've never made mac and cheese for myself. I've, I've, it's only out of a box. So here's my, this is my perspective where yeah. I'm, I'm Mrs. Craft. I'd be like <laughs> married to Mr. Craft or something. That's only my experience. So I was very dubious about putting, you know, these hard shells in the oven because once you get your whole little mixture together, you pour it over, or, you know, you mix in your little elbow pasta that's, that's hard and you put it in your tray you put foil over it, bake it for 30 minutes, and then pop it out after 30 minutes, sprinkle some more cheese on it, then pop it right back in. So once I popped it out the first 30 minutes, it looked very, very soupy. And Matt and I agree that we don't like a soupy dish. No, and I actually just in this past week had some awful mac and cheese that was completely tasteless, and it was... Just cheese water. There's no other way of describing it. And I think it's we've all gross. had we've all had that mac and cheese plate where like it's you deliver it and it's like the noodles are basically sliding around because they're in a in a water world of oh god of cheese. It's horrific. It's horrible. It's it horrific. was it was and also like I can't stand that like not only is this not flavorful, but I'm putting all this crap in my body and I'm not even getting anything out of it. Yeah, I I really don't like that slippery, wet, too soggy mac and cheese. I actually prefer my food to be dry, I guess. I'm very boring in that sense. I like it crunchy, dry. Burnt. Burnt. Actually, I do <laughs> like burnt food. I don't I I, I don't know. It's it's, it's weird. The first time I met Julian, she was gnawing on a rock, actually. <laughs> Eating some twigs. I don't know. So anyways. I got really concerned and I called my mom. I was like, can I just put the rest of the bag of noodles? Because I only called for half of the bag. I only put half of the uncooked elbow pasta into this dish. But I thought, well, that might be not a good idea because half of it's already cooked. And so if I put raw uncooked in there, Mm -hmm. what's going to happen? But I'm also at my ADD going. So I'm just like, yeah, just throw it in and see what happens. Live live on the edge. <laughs> and so I put it in and I put the rest of it back in the oven. And when I pulled it out, there was basically no creaminess to be had. And so the point of what I realized, putting it in for another 30 minutes, that was to absorb the extra soupiness. Mm-hmm. And then you'd be left with a nice consistency of cream and noodle. So it was very dry. It, it was dry. It was yeah. tasty. You could, you, I could sense like that it could be good mac and cheese. It could be. It could be. If, if only Jillian had followed the recipe. <laughs> I know. And there's my, and I. She really, turned it from a New York Times mac and cheese recipe into a Washington Post check <laughs> mac and cheese recipe. Well, it's funny. It's my mom was like, well, where'd you get this recipe from? It sounds crazy. Uncooked macaroni. Um, blocks of cheese and, and, and she's like where is this from and I said the New York Times and she goes That's it, that explains it <laughs> I don't even know what that whatever that means only get your mac and cheese recipes from Fox News okay yeah. so honestly I don't even know what to say because the taste of it was good it just was the consistency and that's what really breaks my heart I got the taste right I just didn't get the consistency but you know what turned out great were your twice baked potatoes yes and so those were those were something else. My potato incident was the fact that I thought it was only going to take 30 minutes to cook a potato, but I had got the big mama potatoes apparently, which took almost two hours to cut through and bake through. It took us two hours to recover from. <laughs> so when I opened the potato for the, the first potato, it was raw in the middle. And so that's when I texted Matt and I said, I have a potato incident. <laughs> and I kept on pulling the potatoes out, forgetting that they're a hot potato. So it literally was oh my God. passing around hot potatoes. That's Chilean. 
It's true though. I just was, I don't know. I was just in a frenzy this morning. So like, oh crap, we only have two hours to get this. Why would I decide to make these? I don't know. And I got nervous about the cuttings. So you have to cut off the top of the potato and then dig it out. But you have to be very careful when you dig it out. Otherwise the bottom's going to break and your I boat falls apart. Such good money for a Jillian Walters cooking show. <laughs> I really would. Like just, just to watch you destroy a mac and cheese recipe, <laughs> toss around a potato in the kitchen, drop it on the oven. oven. I, the, the whole thing. What a scene that well, would be. Okay, I'll tell you one more thing. You, you, I know I'm taking you, long. Are any producers, television producers listening right now? You have a gem right here. Get Jillian in the kitchen, put her on camera. So when I drop one of the potatoes on the oven, I, I guess a part of it fell and started to burn the bottom, and so it started to smoke. So I took a spatula that was plastic. <laughs> and it Julia, melted. I love, that, I love that like in these moments you're so stressed out that you forget how heat and basic elements work. Oh my lord. I honestly and the mess that I have waiting for me, I can't even tell you. I think it came out good. I don't have a those like mixer masher things. I did it all by hand. Mm -hmm. So I could have been smoother and creamier, but I thought that it tasted very good. You, you put cheese on top and yeah, yeah. Cheesy... it was it was a really smooth cheesy potato. It turned yeah. out all all of your hard work and your tears and your sweat it all all was worth it yeah it just was something something else i yeah. have to get plan for those oops moments <laughs> and then we topped it all off with a gift from anna ferris <laughs> who after jillian mentioned her klondike bar commercials sent us uh, a a lifetime supply basically <laughs> of at least would last the summer of klondike bars so we had to enjoy a few but i have to be honest i felt like no offense to the klondike it has nothing to do with them i honestly felt like i was in my own personal hell like some like you know someone like some sicko you know Puts in the basement that you have to eat all this food. There's our torture or something. It's all these carbs, and then here's a sweet, sweet Klondike bar to Top wrap it all, it all yeah. up. <laughs> Wanted to die. It reminds me of that Monty Python movie where this guy is eating a whole bunch of food, and then the waiter insists that he has a, a wafer thin mint, yeah. just, just a wafer thin mint, and then he's like, "No, I couldn't possibly." He finally convinces him, and he explodes. Once yeah. he puts it in. That's where Jillian was. That's By the time was. we had reached the Klondike bars. But anyway, we did enjoy the Klondike bars. Jillian had Oreo. I Very had um, mint chocolate chip. Mm -hmm. I didn't know they did like other flavors. And so that's been kind of a joy to discover. Yeah. I, I thought it was very good. It's a nice I, little summer treat. Yeah. So it was a nice way to end the meal. So thank you, Anna. And thank you um, thank to you. Michael, her assistant, who listens to the show. And thank you so much. You know, made sure that our, our our cozy message got to her and that the the cozy Klondike bars got to us. So thank you, Michael and Anna. Yeah. So that was our cozy feast. Thank you to all of our listeners who submitted recipes. <laughs> Jillian is so sorry. sinking into the couch. So very quickly, thank you to Kate Littleton for her couscous recipe. She shared a lot, but that that really stuck out as a good hit. And then we had um, a recipe, yam in a jam, I believe. So cute. So cute. It's like a veggie version of pigs in a blanket um, from Colin or Colin Hill. Um, thank you so much for sharing. Oh, I forgot to mention the person who even recommended the buffalo chicken recipe, which is going to be my no new go-to dip, Annie Lilly. Oh, thank you, so Annie Thank Lilly. you, Annie, for that recipe and for giving me an excuse to try out my crock pot. Oh, and Hillary Reese. Um, Mexican hot chocolate mud cakes, which sounds really great. We didn't get to make a dessert. We had the Klondike. And then Gretchen, um, 
you shared a lot of great recipes too that we'll have to try out. So I'll, everyone share a lot of great recipes. Thank you for taking the time to write them out. And go check out our Facebook group and our our Facebook uh, page where those recipes are. I think I think they're on both, right? One's, yeah. One's on one's on one and some are on the other. But yeah, yeah. So so those recipes are all available. Except for Jillian's potato recipe, right? Oh, I'll, I'll put it up. We should yeah, have a cozy yeah, cookbook. Yeah, share your um, potato recipe. But everything else is already up on that, uh, up on the pages. You can find and try it yourself. It's time for Soothing Sounds. My Soothing Sound is a brand new track from Heim. Mm. The Heim sisters are back again. Back, back in action. With a cozy summer jam. And the song that they just released this week, actually, is called Summer Girl. Oh. Perfect little summer bop. Tune? <laughs> Tune. I'm looking for the 1950s. To, to wrap up Tune. your summer with. Some of the lyrics include lines like unconditional love. And so it is just a really like positive, fun song. It's, it's cozy in and of itself. But even the story behind it's really cute. So the band's producer had testicular cancer. And the, the producer was dating... Danielle Heim, and what she was doing was trying to send him out to positive vibes mm-hmm. while that prognosis was still uncertain and he was still battling cancer. That's where Summer Girl came out of, which is trying to send him like just like a positive message of support. You know, I'm always here for you no matter what, That's and we'll nice. get through this together. It's like it, it is like that. It's like a song that is a ray of sunshine. Let's take a listen to Heim's Summer Girl. Falling from the sky down to me I see it in your face I'm really I'm your summer girl I'm your summer girl I'm your summer girl I'm your summer girl I'm summer girl I'm but yeah, it's a super cozy summer jam. It is. I love, her voice is so beautiful. It's also, it has a kind of like, it's a hot summer day, that kind of languid mm-hmm. pace to it, a little jazzy street music going. I could see it in a te- TV episode of some kind. Yeah. Be a good soundtrack. So Jillian, what's your soothing sound this week? Well, I would like to pick my songs, as Matt said, from... 10 years ago. It's like, oh, it's, it's almost well, I going on. I, I really do strive 20 to like years. pick, like, let's, let's grab some new music. <laughs> and then Jillian's always here with the, the golden oldies. <laughs> well, maybe that's what we need a little balance. You took the fresh stuff. Uh huh. I'll go back in time. <laughs> people, like, I, I pronounce it Azure. Some people might pronounce it Azure, but um, they, they don't, they're two girl, two women, and they're no longer uh, an act. Uh, but they were part of the whole Saddle Creek Records, mm-hmm. um, you know. Back in the Bright back Eyes. Back in the Bright Eyes. Connor Oberst yeah, heyday. Yeah, all, all of them back in, in Omaha. And I really, that, that whole scene was re- is really cozy to me. Um, so this song's from 2002. It's called November. It's not much of an uplifting song, but it, it is. It might not sound on the off, outset that it's uplifting, but the, it is. It's, it, it's a, you know, it's a dark time. Get through it. Let's see. Let's listen to... Azure? Yeah. Azure? I, I, people, I, apparently they pronounce it Azure. Azure's November. So we're speeding toward that time. 
Sound of her, their their voices. And Wait, is there two people in that band? Yeah, there's two people. Wait, were there two people singing? No, I don't think there's two people singing. Oh, okay, there's, okay. Yeah, it's a two. Well, I'm two pretty sure it was band. one person. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm hearing things. It's going crazy. <laughs> well, November is coming around the corner. Yeah. We're, we're heading towards cozier seasons. Well, I think that's just a song that I think sometimes when there's a difference between feeling truly so hollowed out sad versus yeah. just. You're leaning into your sadness and almost leaning into your sadness is cozy. Just like sitting in your room, listening to these kinds of songs. And I hear you. you know I, 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 mean? I understand Especially what you're like saying. In the, in the fall season. And yeah, in the fall season, I feel like I could be more on board with that. But boiling right here in the summer. Well, yeah, boiling here. You know, again, I don't know. This whole Mercury Trick game, just all the energy is off. But I guess I should pick that more. For, I should pick that in I November. I mean, summer's going to be hot, Julian. I feel like the energy's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mercury retrograde. That's why the summer is Isn't, so hot. I thought Mercury retrograde's over. No. Okay. Well, here's the thing. It ended officially on July 31st. Cleveland listeners, it's August 1st. The mer- the energy of Mercury retrograde lingers for you know, maybe five or so days afterwards. It ends. So it's not completely direct. All right. Whatever you say, Julian. <laughs> <laughs> my, my freezer, my fridge freezer just broke. It's another Mercury retrograde. <laughs> All right, so it's time to wind down our program with our candle review. Before we go into our candle review, we do want to acknowledge the tragic passing of the founder of Yankee Candle, Michael Kittridge, who passed away this week. The whole story behind the founding of Yankee Candle, at least as has been told in his obituary, is that he needed a gift for his mom, and so he melted down his crayons and put them in a milk carton and used an old shoelace for the wick. And since then has been making candles that I'm sure smelled way better than that shoelace candle. Mm-hmm. Well, he sold the company in 1998 for lots, of money. for lots of money, but the legacy of Yankee candle lives on. And we you know, honestly, when I think about like my relationship with scented candles, like you can rag on Yankee candle all you want, but it's a, it is a classic. Big, it's a classic. Well, it's really it's it's a big force in scented candles, and I think for a lot of people, especially who aren't don't live in big cities with all these mm-hmm. fancy candle makers or small tourist towns, lots of people who make candles like as a hobby or as like a small business, like especially if you're a, a, in the suburbs, it's kind of all you have, and it's yeah. like it is your gateway into the beautiful scentscape of s- candles. Your and gateway drug. It was my gateway drug personally, and so I'm ver- I, will, I will always be indebted to Yankee Candle for exposing me to scented candles and all the beautiful like candle holders that they have in their stores. And last but not least, their Bony Bunch collection, which is very near and dear mm-hmm. to my heart. And I always love ho- uh, Yankee Candle's Halloween and Christmas lines and all the holders they have for it. And so in memory of Michael Kittridge and the contributions of Yankee Candle go burn a, a large jar candle 
yeah. in his honor. Candle in the wind. <laughs> candle in the wind. But we, the candle we're burning today for a review is from my trip to Idlewild. It's from a store called Spruce Moose. And all the candles in there are made by the owners of Spruce Moose. And I actually purchased this candle from the woman who made it, and that was super cozy. And so the scent is sandalwood vanilla. It's a really deep red candle. It's a very pretty color, very autumnal, actually, as we move into August. It's a very nice ruby red. Ruby? I would say so, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And a cute little handmade label. The scent is great, I I think. It's like... It's it's very it's woody. It has I'm getting the vanilla too that's in there. I mean it, it it's delivering exactly what the label says it would. It's not it's, it's strong. It's not overpowering at all. The listeners love when I sniff bend over and sniff. Yeah. <laughs> we all I mean I love it too. I mean, and I'm here. Yeah, I mean I I like it. I love a good two wick, three wick candle. Oh so yeah, it's two wick, so it's, it's a lot of light. So that's good. It has a very even burn to it. The like the it, I like the consistency of the wax. Actually, it's not tunneling at all. It gets a full wick from me. It's full a wick, candle. yeah. And also Nicely just like made. and it's and then it's handmade and such a cute cozy place. And Spruce Moose is a catchy little name. Yeah, the Spruce Moose Candle Company. So it's nice. Check them out. I think they're online. Um, or if you're ever in Idlewild, check out their store. So go go pet the mayor. And go grab a candle from Spruce Moose. Two wicks up. Two wicks up. And that does it for today's episode. We're going to go now take a very long, cozy comfort food nap. Mm. Well deserved. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you again to everyone who contributed recipes. Go check out those recipes on our social pages, on Facebook, on our Facebook group, All Things Cozy. We're at All Things Cozy on Instagram. Check us out there. And please... Check out our Patreon and consider being a partner in our cozy army, our cozy commandos as we yeah, every bit counts. drive forth into bringing you author interviews with your favorite cozy mystery authors, doing candle reviews, talking about every season of coziness in the, in the year. Um, yeah, we're coming up on fall and yeah, winter. Yeah, we have a lot of um, exciting, stuff. exciting episodes planned for you. We, we went through today and like kind of plotted everything out and... We have like more ideas than we have space, honestly. So it's pretty exciting. But yeah, so until we until we meet again, as always, stay, stay cozy. cozy.